Welcome to the Utah Epochopalians. This is a podcast of the Diocese of Utah where we take a look at our unique church in this unique land that we all love, the unique land of Utah. Now, our guest today, the Reverend Christopher Zarkey, who is from St. James, a wonderful church in Midvale, Utah. And we're going to talk about something that's little understood, and that is the subject of seasons in the church. We're not talking about winter, we're not talking about fall, but in a way we are, because seasons go back to biblical times of reference and very important to Christianity. And we're about to actually start the beginning of the church year, the first season, which by the way doesn't start January 1st, it starts with Advent. Why do we have seasons? in liturgical churches such as the Episcopal Church. Our faith goes through many seasons throughout our life and when we have liturgical seasons that helps us to focus on different aspects of our journey with God and our experience as a community. And why do we need seasons? Why can't we just mumble jumble all this stuff up? What do you think it is that the Roman Catholic tradition, the uh, Episcopal Church, Lutheran, other liturgical um, services do that and make it very definite uh, colors, uh, readings that come from the Bible, the, the whole thrust of our following the Lord's life. Why do you think it's important for us as Christians to recognize that as we sit in church, as we uh, pray, as we contemplate? That's a great question. Well, Jesus's life teaches different things. There were different experiences that he had as a child, as a young man, when he was getting into ministry, and towards the end of his life and the teachings from his, his reappearance. One of the most common things when we hear from people who are new to the Episcopal Church, particularly in Utah, um, many come from a faith tradition that doesn't really recognize those seasons. I mean, it isn't that they dispel them and that certainly Christmastide, Easter, and things like that are observed, but not in the seasons as they are here. And a lot of folks come in, they go, wait a minute, we don't get this. We hear the word Advent. We hear Christmas and we hear Christmas too. Whoa, what does that mean? We hear then Epiphany. We hear all these these words and, and our goal today is that by the time you're done listening to this, you're gonna know every single thing about seasons. So that's a big task you have. But anyway, let's start with um, uh, the season of Advent. Um, that's coming up. We've been in a long season of ordinary time. Now we come into Advent and we're gonna get back to ordinary time. So don't let that word fool you. Advent is the beginning of the church year. So that's a great place to start. What is Advent? So Advent begins on the Sunday closest to November 30th or on November 30th if it happens to be a Sunday that particular year. And those are the four weeks that we anticipate the birth of Christ. So it's a time of listening, a time of preparation. It isn't exactly the happy time that we see, I mean, people go, oh, it's Christmas time in the city. And people are excited and they're buying gifts and we got Santa Claus and ho, ho, ho. And yet in the church year, Advent is not that way. So it is one of the penitential seasons. So we, we don't jump into the celebration. We take that time. And I think that the purpose of that is that allows us 
the sweetness of enjoying that celebration when Christmas arrives. You're talking about that we're preparing. What does that mean? What do we do? What are some of the type readings and what, what is the, the um, expression, the preparation? We know Christmas is coming, or do we in Christianity? So what, with our readings, we're focused on preparing for the birth of Christ, about experiencing God in a new way that had not been experienced in the world prior to that time. If we're focused just on, on the secular you know, celebration and decorating and, and shopping and everything, we miss, miss out on that. And the church is countercultural. It gives us some time aside, some time, some space aside to do that preparation, to do that reflection, to be together as community. You say we miss out on something. What is it you think we miss out by not just jumping into the spirit of Christmas is the words that are used. What, what are we missing? Uh, you use that phrase. Mm -hmm. I think what we could end up missing is focusing on the reality that Christ came to us in, in human form like us. So we have the divine Christ with us. And when we're focused on the decorations and the way the world celebrates Christmas, we miss out on that reality. What are some of the type of readings that we have? There are those that say, wow, it even gets a little bit dark, and yet it's the season of light. We begin to light candles. Mm -hmm. We have traditionally, uh, both in the Lutheran tradition and the Episcopal tradition particularly, uh, and, and others, Advent reefs, and they get brighter and brighter as mm -hmm. we get closer to Christmas. Uh, and, and maybe even the reef. What does this all mean? We have these four candles on the reef. We have one in the center sometimes called the Christ candle. What are we doing? So what we're doing as we light one additional candle each Sunday, we're becoming aware of the approaching of Christ's presence with us. We also have something that happens and that is suddenly everything is covered in purple. We have purple on the pulpit. We have purple on the altars. Mm -hmm. What is going on? Yep, so the purple is also used during the season of Lent, which we'll also talk about. So that is penitential season, and that's to distinguish it from the other parts of the year. We're, we're more joyous, so we're more inward, we're more reflective. So anytime we see purple, the lessons are gonna be reflective. Okay, now we come into Christmas. Most people, Christmas is already over. For us, it's just beginning. It's the beginning of the 12 days, so we continue to celebrate Christmas for 12 days up until Epiphany. And then we suddenly go from purple to what color? We go to white, and that's kind of our, we only do white at Christmas and Easter, so it, it those are, when you see white in an Episcopal church, it's pretty important. It's a big deal, and we also bring out white for weddings and for funerals and for baptisms. Okay, now we get into a, a really unusual time. We get into Epiphany. What's that all about? We, we go from after the 12 days, we have Epiphany, mm -hmm. and then we're kind of in this unusual season where we get into until we come into Lent. Right, right. So for the 12 days of Christmas leading up to Epiphany, that would have been the time that, that the wise men would have been traveling to see Jesus. And then Epiphany, 
in some cultures is also known as Three Kings Day. That's a huge celebration in places like Puerto Rico. And that's where the fullness of Christmas is experienced. And the children in Puerto Rico are pretty lucky because they get to give gifts on both Christmas Day and Epiphany. It's a huge, huge deal there. The Epiphany, it's kind of that, that transitional time before Lent. And we'll mm -hmm. get into Lent because that's mm -hmm. really important. But what do we do during the, just uh, we have the first Sunday after Epiphany, second Sunday, etc. Well, during that time, we're really focused on the incarnation of, of Christ. So we are really aware that Jesus was on the earth with us. And and we embrace that reality. So we're looking at the the earthly ministry mm -hmm. of the Lord during Epiphany. Mm -hmm. So we've gone from anticipating the Lord in Advent to the birth of the Lord, or the incarnation is the word we use. Right. In, in, and then we go into gift giving, celebrating that. And now Christ is with us for Epiphany. Mm -hmm. And then we get to the end of Christ's life where it becomes reflective for Christ, and that mm -hmm. is Lent. Now, Lent is the one that people are universally might have heard that word, and it's usually comes in the combination of the sentence giving up chocolate for, mm -hmm. and then you have the word Lent. Okay, what happens during Lent? And it's, it's some people say it's, it's a hard time to be in church. We have no flowers. It's the only time that we really don't have flowers. We have wormwood up on the altar. We have these beautiful churches, and now we And we have don't say the word hallelujah during that time right. either. We, we just, yeah. our music has gone from really exciting and big swells in the organ to some pretty dreary type mm -hmm. music. We have even, um, uh, to us for better term, burlap it almost looks like on altars, on pulpits. What is happening? Why, why are we doing that? Well, that's another penitential season where we're very, very reflective. And Lent begins with Ash Wednesday, where in our tradition, we burn the, the palms from the previous year into ashes. And then the sign of the cross is made on someone's forehead, reminding a person that they are dust and to dust they shall return. So what we're doing th through those 40 days is remembering this particular season of our life, the end of our life, as Jesus was approaching the end of his life. Some people say that it is totally uh, to correspond with Jesus, 40 days and nights in the desert. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so let's, let's clear that up. Is that exactly what's going on then? I think there's a good correlation there. And it's important to also note that Sundays are not included in those 40 days because we do celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. Oh, so that's, that's very important to know that even though we have not done Easter, and, and this is preparing into Easter, of course, um, we, we, in our Eucharist, which is every Sunday, we do um, go through in a very short time in the prayer of consecration and things like this that we, we do recognize that Jesus is resurrected. Do you see it that, uh, again, going back to uh, those of us who have been fortunate enough to have gone and wandered maybe for four hours in the Judean uh, desert, but to think of Jesus wandering and thinking and, and praying, um, do you feel that or do you see that during Lent? Is that kind of what you're doing too? I do, and a lot of parishioners, uh, 
take on the practice of giving up something that's important to them during those 40 days to be more reflective. Some choose to take on a spiritual practice to help them bring them closer to God during that time. Why are we giving up things in Lent? In my experience, when I give something up, it's a reminder that God has blessed me with so many things, and when I give that up, that helps me to appreciate it more. But it also helps reorient the way I'm entering spiritually into that season, the way I pray, the way I interact with people. There are those that would say, look, I get all the rest of the seasons. Lent is depressing. Why don't we just not do it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking of someone I know that, that told, told me that the only time he doesn't go to church is during Lent because he, he does find it too depressing. I, I think that's what's important about being together in community going through that experience because it does reflect there are times in our lives that we go through difficult things and community pulls together to support us through those times. That might be the death of a loved one, it might be a divorce, it might be the unexpected ending of a job. And when we go through this penitential, difficult experience during Lent, we're also pulling together in community and praying together and supporting each other during that. And is talking about praying and supporting something, of course, that you do uh, frequently as a priest, Absolutely, probably yeah. your, the main uh, task other than doing uh, services. And by the way, we are speaking to the Reverend Christopher Zarki, who's the rector of St. James in Midvale, Utah. And you're listening to the Utah Podcapalians as we are examining, I think, one of the most difficult concepts of a liturgical church to grasp, and that is the subject of, um, of our seasons and the colors of those seasons. And we've just gone through Lent. We've, we've made it in, in uh, not a, in a pretty short time. We've gone quite a ways in our year. We now go into Easter, which very similar, I guess, as we went from Advent to Christmas. We're now going to Easter um, from a very um, uh, reflective time of Lent. And we say that we're an Easter people. The season of Easter is, is what kind of this is all about. That's what Christianity is about. And other than bunny rabbits and a few eggs hidden around the house, the obvious is, of course, it's the celebration of the resurrection. But Easter goes on for several weeks. Why, why is that so important that the Easter season it becomes more than just a Sunday? Mm -hmm. It's important because we need to celebrate that Christ truly did, was truly resurrected and, and was among us again and is still present with us. Why not just do Easter all year round? Again, I think it comes back to needing to pull back and be, be more self-reflective in order to appreciate the goodness of that time. During Easter, while we've, again, and just in review, we had Advent as reflections preparing mm -hmm. for the Messiah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the readings are about the bridesmaids preparing and the oil and things as, and as things are getting darker and darker, then Christ appears in the incarnation, in Christmas. And then we uh, celebrate the gifts of Christmas and then we follow 
Christ's ministry on earth. And then we come to the end of, of course, Christ's earthly life as uh, he reflects in his life. We then find the resurrection, the tomb is empty. Christ ascends into the heavens on the, the glorious resurrection. And that story then continues on and we have now other things happening. We have the uh, return to the upper room, the apostles. And, and I think one thing that's kind of missed in Easter is that there's still very much of an uncertainty. Mm -hmm. We have the doubting Thomas. We have, what are we going to do? Our Christ is gone. And um, why is that important that we not just say, hey, you know, Christ ascended from the dead, but we have the, again, kind of some reflection that there's some chaos in mm -hmm. Easter, even though it's so exciting. Right. Why do you think that's necessary in a liturgical tradition that we study that? Because not everyone who's in church every Sunday has the same level of belief. And even when we do believe strongly, we might go through an experience that's challenging. And then we're able to be with others that can support us in, in our faith then. I love the story of Thomas. It's actually one of my favorite ones. And I happen to have been ordained on the Feast of St. Thomas, and I don't think that was an accident that that happened. But Thomas, I think because his faith was so important to him, he was questioning, and that's why he asked to be able to put his hands in, into the wounds of Jesus. He, he wanted to be sure of his faith. Do you see the seasons as reflections of our own questions, challenges, and prayerful considerations? Frequently, yes, yes. Kind of what we go through mm -hmm. in our mm -hmm. life in the pews, because it isn't always. Um, I think probably I would be typical. Of sometimes I go, wait a minute, mm -hmm. like you, the old, where is God now? Or right. why right. is my life this? Or or sometimes it's like, oh my goodness, I'm the luckiest person on earth. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, um, I should be feeling that a lot more. I mean, in, and in my prayerful life, there are times I'm thinking I should just be giving far more prayers of thanksgiving than I do, uh, rather than prayers of petition. Do you see then seasons kind of helping us in that uh, prayerful life? Oh, they absolutely do. Well, now we are going to go to one of the hardest things, and in seminary, I know this is, I've never been to seminary. It's obvious that I've never been uh, understudied to be <laughs> ordained. Oh, I think. you are doing great. But in, in that, uh, we go from Easter, and we have then, um, and, and this, of course, followed Holy Week, which we didn't really even get into, but we went through all of that went on in Holy Week, and, and Good Friday, the, the darkest of days, mm -hmm. and then to Easter, and then after our uh, little better than a month of Easter, we're into Pentecost. Now there's one that is probably very difficult, and that's one where we wear red. And it's one that a lot of other Christians of other traditions don't, don't really get. Um, but Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit descended on, upon the apostles. And I also love Pentecost because it is a reminder of 
the Holy Spirit being very active in our lives here and now. Do you see Pentecost as kind of the church today? So many of these other events we know historically happened over 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. but Pentecost strikes me as that it continues to be happening today. Is that is that a really uh, discount version of Christianity that's in the mind of Craig Worth? No, I agree with you. I, I see the Holy Spirit working so actively in the world whenever there's transformation in people's lives, whenever there's healing in relationships, whenever, whenever there's an injustice in the world like racism or, or other types of oppression and people have a different consciousness of that and work to change the laws and, and start connecting with other people. I believe all of that is connected to the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes to us, or we certainly observe it. Uh, I mean, as a priest, you're going to say the Holy Spirit's with us every day of the year. Mm-hmm. And through these other seasons, too, I think that isn't like, okay, the Holy Spirit, you can't show up until mm-hmm. after Easter. I mean, Holy Spirit is with us in Advent, always, in, always. in all these. But we're really concentrating on that, on the, um, the, the Holy Spirit now. We come to an interesting thing here that we have just said that Advent is the beginning of our church year, but we hold Pentecost as the birth of the church. Mm-hmm. Do you want to explain that? What, what are we talking about when we say the birth of the church? My understanding is, is having that deeper understanding of the Holy Spirit's presence with us, that we're on fire, it becomes alive. So that is the birth of the church, the beginning of um, the rock that Peter, which of course means rock, that, that the church is built on the rock, now suddenly has that uh, spirit uh, among us. And Pentecost um, is again one Sunday, but then we go to many Sundays after Pentecost, uh, only all the way up to, to Advent. So we're going, depending on when Easter is in a church year, um, oh, by the way, why does Easter float? Why is it floating? It's a lunar holiday, so it's set by the position of the moon, and, and it, that's been done for centuries. So it comes on, so that, because we know that the ordinary time, or Pentecost, mm-hmm. the season of Pentecost, uh, called ordinary time, which I shouldn't even ask you why that is, because nobody knows. <laughs> does anybody know why that's called ordinary time? No, but I've also heard it described as that's the, the work of the people and then the rest of the, the year is considered the work of Christ. So it's us working together with Christ. We're talking about we're wearing green then. Mm-hmm. The church has done green. Church better have a lot of green vestments and a lot of green altar because it's going to be covered in mm-hmm. green for a good part of the year. Um, what are our readings like? What are, what are the sermons, the readings, uh, the the cycle of prayer, all these that that move along the mm-hmm. Psalms, all that have a, a certain theme. What is that theme in ordinary time that they have? So a lot of what I've been preaching on this during this time has been with the Gospels related to the parables and connecting how the parables that Jesus talked about, how they connect to our lives today. So again, it's it's sort of um, looking back I, I, in in a sense of the life of Jesus, we know that Jesus has now ascended and that we are um, uh, looking at 
what was all this about? What was Jesus trying to mm -hmm. teach? Is that correct, kind That's of, right, in a yeah. way? Um, what are some of the uh, lessons, uh, when you, you mentioned the parables, what are some of the things that really give us an insight into what you're talking about there? What would be one of the parables that would really be certainly um, something that becomes typical of ordinary time mm -hmm. is? So last Sunday I preached about the story of the mustard seed and in that particular parable we're told that someone who has even the faith the size of a mustard seed is, can grow to have deep faith. And if anyone's held a mustard seed, you can get them on, in the grocery store. They're very, very tiny, but I've seen photographs of mustard seeds that have grown into bushes and some that have grown to, to be the size of trees. And I find that comforting because my faith can be challenged at times, but even, even during the darkness of that time, God is still with me and things can continue to grow. Good can come out of those times. Now something happens. We're going along, we're going along, and then we start all over again. Mm -hmm. What, did we just kind of forget something? I mean, <laughs> we, we keep starting over, but so did the apostles. You know, it's right, like, right. like um, these, um, these folks didn't quite get it. Like sometimes two, three times, mm -hmm. Jesus had to talk to them. We go through three cycles of prayer that, that keep saying pretty much the same sort of theme. So we're going from ordinary time and then it's like, okay, we gotta start all over, is that right? That's right. So our lectionary, which is the readings that we, that we use in the Episcopal Church, is on a three-year cycle. So when we keep repeating the three times, that's so we make sure that every gospel story gets read during that time. This is a question, perhaps political, and I like to do that too, mm -hmm. because I like to put priests in the spot because uh, they're, you know, priests are always putting me on the spot. Say, why can't you be a better person? So I got to ask you something to put you on the spot. And that is, do we as a church need to do a better job uh, in teaching the seasons? I mean, we just kind of assume you look at your program, you look at the service leaflet and it says third Sunday after this or third Sunday in this. And, and we don't really explain, you know, and we have so many new members. Do we need to do a better job? I think those of us who are in teaching roles, whether, whether we're lay people who are teaching or clergy, need to do a much better job of that. And I grew up not really understanding why there was a change in seasons, why the colors changed, and what the focus was, and even that the readings were changing during that time. So. When I preach, I try to give a little bit of history with that, a little bit of background. So, so hopefully everyone's learning a little bit more throughout the year. Well, I gotta say, my it all came together in that bird song uh, when they uh, actually oh, pulled yes, the yes, Bible. Yes, yes. And and to me, oh my gosh, it made sense. Mm -hmm, you know, there mm -hmm. is a season for planting, for right. doing whatever. And right. and I thought, wow, I get it. Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is the church year, as explained in right. in a, in sixties music. Yeah. Um, and we really do need to do a better job, and mm -hmm. we need to keep talking about seasons because it really is the mm -hmm, basis mm -hmm. of so much of our liturgical thinking. Well, on that, let's stop for today, and we're going to talk about seasons again because it is so important to our liturgy, and you've been listening to the Utah Podcopalians, and that's a podcast from the Diocese of Utah as we look at our unique church in the unique state of Utah, our Diocese of Utah and Northern Arizona, 
And our guest, the Reverend Christopher Zarkey of St. James in Midvale, and I'm Craig Wirth of the Diocese. Thanks for listening.